0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Yo, this is Flip Gordon. CVV Chris Van
1: This is Liam O'Rourke, author of Crazy Like a Fox.
0: Hey, this is your Olympic hero Kurt Angle,
1: and
2: you're
0: listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true.
1: What's going on guys? We're back. This is episode 127 of Top Rope Nation. It's Ryan, it's Justin, it's Kyle. We're all here this week to talk a little bit of pro wrestling with you. My voice is rejuvenated, fellas, after last week where I could barely get through that show. Had a good show, I thought, though, with the uh, WWE Royal Rumble preview and predictions. We'll hit on that here in a little bit. Uh, guys, we've been all over the map. Kyle went to AEA, AEW Dynamite last night. We're going to talk about that. Justin Joint, you just got back from the Big Easy. How was your trip?
2: Uh, it was fantastic. Uh, it was a kind of a group of old friends who we don't get together very often. And I don't know about you guys, but when it seems like when we get together for a weekend and we haven't you know, seen each other for a while, we always blow our load on the first night <laughs> yes. and just and then we feel like crap the rest of the time. The the first night, me and another buddy decided it was a good
1: idea to slam a Pat O'Brien's hurricane. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jeez. Hey, I mean, when you're there, you got to do it, though. I mean, you, you got to go full bore in New Orleans. Yeah, and we did. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Kyle Ross, what are you doing over there, man? I can hear you typing. I can hear you shuffling around. Everything good? Are you still among the living? <sighs>
3: Uh, barely. I have some bad news for those QAnon folks that uh, bleach drinking gimmick doesn't work. <laughs> oh, God. I did see something about that on Twitter that they were
1: going to prove something. I don't know.
3: Yeah, th- th- that's how you overcome this coronavirus drink bleach. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Admittedly, you will be dead and then not get the virus, but that's okay. <laughs>
1: Justin, it was tough not being with you last week. It's it's always weird doing these shows, you know. Kyle and I, we started the show a little over three years ago. We did it just us for a little while. Justin, when you joined it, it's not the same when you're gone, man. So it's great to have you back. Uh, I know you heard last week's show, so you heard my voice faltering as it went on. But uh, while while you were away, then any any what was like the biggest highlight of your trip before we jump into the pro wrestling because it seems like New Orleans is kind of like the home away from home for for us three we talk about that city all the time on this show
2: it's it i it I really difficult to boil down to one thing cuz it's just the entire experience it's it's eating you know just amazing food i had gumbo at every place we went um it's the drinks it's the architecture it's the people uh we had a wedding there and at the very end they shut down the reception and had a second line which um if you go to my instagram uh you'd be able to see that uh second line um and then you know we were there sunday it rained all day um you know we found out about kobe bryant which is a really sad deal um and we did end up going to uh celtics pelicans that night and so i got to see zion play oh, that nice. was uh yeah that was that was incredible he is he is uh something else
1: that's awesome i did see that on your instagram today your your uh post of, of the highlights and uh being at the game so very nice very nice you timed that right you know we just started up so yeah. awesome awesome you know that that's funny when i got back from new orleans i actually looked up a recipe to make gumbo I was like, I need to make this at home. I like it so much. But then when I saw how much went into it, I kind of backed away from doing (laughs) that. So (laughs) maybe we can get together sometime and figure it out. There we go. We'll make a night of it. Yes, definitely. Um, So Kyle... Justin, we are streaming once again. Uh, we tried this out the last few weeks. We're sticking with it. We're live on YouTube right now. Now, I'd say YouTube is probably the way it's easiest to get involved with the show. We've got the live chat going, so if you are listening, let us know. Uh, we'll give you a shout-out on the air. Say something in the in the live chat, which you can see if you're watching the YouTube video. It is also superimposed on the screen, so you'll show up in our video feed. Same thing if you subscribe to our channel. A little animation will pop up on the screen as well. Um, we are also streaming live on Facebook over on our Facebook page. It's facebook.com/topropenationpod. slash So every week you can find us there as well. And I believe the the comments there will also pop up on our uh, live video feed. So if you have any thoughts on the show as we're talking here, and you wanna you wanna jump in, you wanna have us read your comments on the air, shoot us a message. We will do just that. So. If you're listening to the podcast feed after the fact and you want to join us live, uh, typically it's going to be Thursday nights here right around uh, 9.30 Eastern that we're going live. So if you want to join us next week, hop on to youtube.com slash Nation, hit that subscribe button. And uh, next to the subscribe button, there is also a button for notifications. Turn that on so that uh, every time we go live, you'll get an email, you'll know we're live on YouTube as well. If you're listening to the podcast feed, uh Please hit subscribe, especially on Apple Podcasts. It helps the show out a lot. Leave us that five-star review. And if you leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts, we had a new one come in last week that I uh, read on the air. Leave us that review. We'll read it on the air, and we will send you a free Top Rope Nation sticker in the mail. All you got to do is leave us your uh, Twitter hashtag, Um, so that we know where to find you, and uh, we'll shoot you a DM on Twitter, get your address, get that out to you. So between now and next week, we'd love to see a lot of new reviews come in, so look us up on Apple Podcasts, five-star review, leave us the written review, you'll get the free Top Rope Nation sticker. All right, so I think with that being said, fellas, it is time to cue me and Gene Okerlund and get to In the News.
3: All the latest wrestling news. Get behind the scenes insider info. At one 909 9900 goes across the book 49 per minute. Kids, get your parents' permission, but call right now. All right,
1: first? so in the news this week, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got uh, we got a lot going on. Sorry, we were chatting off there for a second. But uh, Kyle, I actually wanted to start with you because, um, well, we have some WWE breaking news to get into. Uh, we're going to talk kind of WrestleMania direction here in a little bit. But Kyle, you were at AEW Dynamite in Cleveland last night, and uh, we were kind of texting back and forth during <laughs> the show and before we the show. We were. Before the show, it seemed like uh, you were having some fun. I want to hear about the whole experience because uh, none of us have actually been to a live AEW event yet. So what was it like being at Dynamite for our listeners? Just, just give us the whole spiel. What happened?
3: You know, you guys got to see these texts. No one else ever will. I, the show was much better when I watched it back on television. And I'm trying to, you know, 24 hours removed from being there, wonder why that is. Um, the attendance was weird. So I don't know how it, you know, it, it looked pretty good on TV. Now the non-hard cam side, the not was barely full at all. It was a decent sized crowd. I would not call it a great crowd. Um, I, I know they were happy about it. Meltzer said it was a good advance, but there was definitely lots of empty seats. And we had we kind of moved over where there was a lot of empty seats because it was just a better view of the ring. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if it's cuz we made that move and there just weren't a lot of people around us. We were not in a you know, a heavily congested area. You know, there were open seats in front of us, next to us, behind us all around. But it just didn't feel like there was a lot of energy where we were sitting, and I think that may have affected my live experience. Okay. Yeah, it actually. So that's that's why you got. That's why you got that bevy of <laughs> <laughs> negative texts for me. I don't know. I've, I read those this morning. I don't know what the heck. Uh, you know, the show wasn't that bad.
1: <laughs> you were very dissatisfied with the show during the middle of it. I, yes. I couldn't imagine you uh, attending another AEW event the way it was going. From the sounds <laughs> of it. <laughs> but yeah, when it went right on the air there in Cleveland, it looked. I thought the venue looked a lot bigger than it actually is um when the show started just the way they were shooting it like the floor looked massive the way they they shot it right at the beginning the floor was full like you said it looked like the one side was pretty full um but then as the show went as the show went on then i kind of realized it was kind of a medium-sized venue and you could tell a little bit more but they did a good job making it look good on tv i thought yeah i agree
3: um and another thing too it, it felt real dark I would love to hear from someone else there. It just, especially compared to like going to a Raw or SmackDown, the building just felt dark. That's interesting because on TV,
1: AEW always comes across like it's better lit.
3: You yes. Know, like it WWE. honestly felt like you were sitting in full sail. Hmm. Interesting. It, it really, it just, you know, certain things when I watch back certain segments, they did seemed to generate more heat than I was personally feeling the building. So I don't know, maybe I'm just going to be this, you know, I, I just had a terrible spot in the building uh, and I'm not the person to base it off of, but you know, yeah. I mean, as I was, you know, sitting watching the show, yeah, uh, you know, I just was not feeling the energy really in the building, but I may have just been in the wrong section.
1: Hmm.
3: Interesting. Did you go with your and buddy like a, Greg
1: that's tuned in live by the way?
3: No, I did see Greg at my house though. Sunday for the Royal Rumble, he came over and with his Patreon membership was allowed to go behind the bar and drink whatever he wanted.
1: (laughs) There's your shout out, Greg. Thanks for signing up for our Patreon page. Uh, I forgot to mention that at the top of the show, but Patreon.com/slash Top Rope Nation. Best way to support the show. Uh, You get the bonus content over there. You get to interact with us a little bit more in a more personal way. Uh, and so check that out, get the bonus content, like Top Rope Nation Classics, we recorded a show just last week, a live uh, watch-along with the 1990 WWE Royal Rumble, so uh, Greg and all the rest of the patrons over there have enjoyed that, got some good feedback on that as well, so yes, Greg is in our live chat right now, so uh, if you're out there, let us know, Greg's, Greg is in the chat, he's saying hello I see a few more of you are out there. So uh, let us know what's going on in the world of wrestling for you guys. But uh,
3: react to me.
1: Yes. (laughs) React to Kyle and his takes tonight. So what was the, uh, what
3: was the highlight of the show for you? I don't know. Like, so literally when I left the building, I was, as you guys know, extremely dissatisfied. I just feel on the paradigm shifting, uh, market debut curve if you're grading on that mm-hmm. i just felt underwhelmed but you know like i said i went back i watched on tv there was nothing wrong with the show it advanced all the angles that they're building to for chicago um i missed the brit baker thing so i was getting a beer at the time imagine that yes <laughs> and miller light by the way just oh god
1: Make well, for I'd a rough again. morning
3: man yeah, I just I, I as soon as I woke up, I said, "Oh, damn it! I had Miller Lite last night." But anyway, so I, I missed that, and then I actually did not see, believe it or not, uh, the Janela thing where he got between Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford mm-hmm. when they were kissing. So I, I didn't see that. I couldn't tell. Uh, so there were a few things I missed, and like I said, I the I don't know what this says, but I felt that it was a better TV show than Live Experience. Hmm. Well, they did do you know some final decent or. backstage
1: segments during
3: the show. Yeah, and for the record, I actually know the person uh, was a guy named Ryan who was also over at my house uh, Sunday for the Royal Rumble uh, that helped put together that butcher segment. Actually, oh, nice. found the where it was shot. He actually uh, clued AEW and where to shoot it. He nice. Secured the location. So um, yeah, I thought the matches though, like particularly the women, the Nyla Rose match. They were just all too long and not particularly enthralling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there didn't
1: seem to be anything. like I was covering NXT for comic book, but there didn't seem to be anything that was like, must-see that I was really dying to see on no. that show match-wise.
3: No, I mean, the the Baker promo was very good. Um, <laughs> as critical as I, and I know all three of us are, of... Jim Ross on commentary, Mm -hmm. I actually do question the wisdom of pointing out his shortcomings as a play by play man
1: Hmm. in a
3: promo, having your talent do that. Yeah. You know, because you don't want your heels to be right. Yeah. (laughs) That's just like booking, (laughs) that's like wrestling 101. Yeah. And if she's pointing out Jim Ross's, in my opinion, obvious inadequacies as a play by play man, that kind of a place you don't want to go Mm -hmm. because it's not going to build anything it's not like she's going to wrestle Jim Ross right and you know if if you're pointing out where you know your play-by-play announcer is is weak that's probably not good for the overall product but I actually think Britt Baker is you know in terms of cutting promos projecting more and more as a star as the weeks go by uh, regardless of the content what she's saying I would agree and, and, and the Moxley Jericho stuff was good too. Uh, it was what it needed to be. Um, but yeah, overall it was, it was a show that, you know, if you were hoping for anything close to the cruise and that may have been fool's errand, uh, I think it was kind of disappointing in that regard. Um, lastly, was there anything on dark worth seeing next week? So they did something where it looks like the nightmare, uh, collective had like a breakup Mel and Luther beat down awesome Kong okay and Brandy was not there so um, I don't know where they're going with that but it looks like there's been a split there and then uh, there was a tag match where I it appears is the start of a gimmick where Sean Spears is searching for a tag partner Uh, Colin Delaney, a local here in Cleveland came out as the partner and Spears abandoned him, uh, against, uh, who was he up against now? I can't even remember who he was up against. Why am I having a, a, a mental breakdown here? I knew I should have written these things down because you were seven Miller lights in at that point. Yeah, I guess so. Yes. But (laughs) so that was the start. Um, oh, it was against uh, Best Friends. Of course it was, because uh, Tully Blanchard and Orange Cassidy had a uh, moment in the ring. So um, there's that. So again, there's nothing to go out of your way to see, I think, on the uh, dark gimmick either. Okay. All right, well,
1: that's Kyle's live experience at AEW Dynamite. Uh, I will be attending AEW Revolution in about a month, so uh, hopefully I can chime in with uh, some thoughts on the pay-per-view, the next AEW pay-per-view after that one happens. Looking forward to it. Uh, Hopefully, in-ring-wise, it's a little bit better than uh, Dynamite was this week, which I I would imagine
3: it. Yes, it (laughs) it certainly should. I mean, you can't have, you know a great match every week but the thing was I just didn't think in terms of even angle development um it just kind of felt like connecting the dots right. almost rather than anything major which is fine I mean they didn't do anything wrong yeah yeah
1: I think yeah like he said it came across better on TV uh probably than the live experience and I've been to some shows that have been like that too in the past so
3: what is your opinion like I mean you guys were obviously all sports fans Justin just attended an NBA game what like as you've gotten older, do you find that the live experience is not as good? What would you say,
1: Justin?
2: For me, it depends on the sport and the seats. Um, a buddy of mine has season tic- really good season tickets to the Timberwolves, and that's always fun. Um, being able to see the NBA players up close, uh, mm-hmm. not being uh, controlled by the camera, Um I don't think you could pay me to go to an NFL game, um, and <laughs> baseball's all right. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I mean, a lot of times it's um, why wouldn't you rather sit at home and you know watch the event on a really nice TV and you can pause it and go pee whenever you want and not miss anything?
1: Yeah, I've always kind of felt pretty firmly that. The best pro sports to go to, and even college, is basketball by far. I think basketball translates live because it's the fastest pace. You know, football, like you said, Justin, there's a lot of standing around. You know, it's one play, stand around, one play, stand Mm -hmm. around. Um, I would say probably for football, like the fans are into it the most, so it can still be a lot of fun. Um, I think you go to baseball for like a whole different reason. It's just like not even just the game. It's like the experience of being at the ballpark. It's like the before and after. Speaking Mm -hmm. as a Cubs fan, you know, and uh, you guys have been there like hanging around Wrigleyville. It's always a lot of fun. But yeah, the the game aspect itself, baseball can be a little bit boring. So I think basketball
3: translates the best of the live experience by far. I completely agree with Justin's NFL take, by the way. I have not attended a regular season NFL game in over seven years. It was actually in Dallas when I did, they lost to your Chicago bears, by the way, on a Monday night. I do do remember
1: watching that game.
3: Yes. Yes. Tony Romo threw out 800 interceptions. (laughs) That's right.
1: Yeah. No, I I mean, I like going to football games um, because the bears are my favorite team,
3: but yeah, I think basketball is, is blows it away. Live. Look, but let's bring it back to wrestling. This is a wrestling podcast per se. What is your experience, lo- recent experiences? Obviously, we all were at a mania in New Orleans uh, together. I mean, we weren't sitting together, but we were all in the same building. And, you know, we went to a lot of indie shows a week and we've consistently gone to r- live wrestling. W- what is your take right now on the live wrestling experience compared to, say, I don't know, when you first started going?
1: Hmm. Justin, what would you say? You want me to go first? It, it's. I mean, it's just
2: part of being older and, and watched in wrestling is it loses some of the magic. um, Except for, for me, WrestleMania 34 was incredible and a fantastic experience. But um, yeah, all the other ones, like the house shows I've been to, um, they've lost a little bit of the luster, I'd say. I, I don't know what I would put my finger on as to why, um, but... Yeah, it's just not quite the same.
1: I think that house shows are, at least when it comes to WWE, house shows are the most fun live events to go to. Uh, in the last few years, all the shows I've been to, you know, including Mania, which is a whole different experience. It's hard to it's hard to put that into the same categories like going to a Raw SmackDown. But between going to the the regular TVs and the house shows, I think the house shows are more fun just because the performers are more loose, and I always have a really good time at those uh personally the tv shows just kind of get long uh especially raw obviously but um yeah i don't know do i get as excited as i used to definitely not but i also feel like i watch the shows in a different way than i did when i was younger you know some of that's doing this podcast with you guys some of it is you know covering the business now you know semi-professionally over at comic book and it just makes me watch the shows in a different way uh Probably makes you a little more jaded so i I always try to drop that but it's hard to completely shut off that side of my brain uh, but I do feel even just like the performers um, I let loose as a fan a little bit more at the house shows because it's just everything's just not as serious at those
3: you know another issue when you go to a TV show is the commercials yeah so i I did not re-watch. Um, the majority of the matches live. I I went back to watch the angles, see how they got over. Obviously, the Baker thing, because I missed it live. Um, And the Janela just part, because I I somehow missed that as well. But um, most of the matches, did they go through a commercial break? Because it didn't feel... It felt like there was a lot of Justin Roberts doing his one-man band routine during the show. And it kind of would kill... You're, you know, kind of just kill my focus. Like I, you were just like fading in and out of the product over the course of two hours. Mm -hmm. Like you knew they were at a commercial and you're just like, whatever. Okay. yeah, Okay. When were we coming back? Um, I mean, they they do the
1: picture in picture thing
3: a lot. Yeah. No, I know they didn't. No, I know the one match that did go through a break and they did not do picture in picture was the women, was the Nyla Rose match. Okay. Which felt like it went on forever. But um, yeah, it just felt like there was a lot of Justin Roberts, you know, hey, Cleveland, uh, how are we all doing tonight? Mm-hmm. Throughout the course of the show. felt like there was a lot of that. And it, that's not uh, only AEW. I, I've been to WWE shows, Raw and SmackDown before, where it just felt like with the commercials, I just was like, you know, I was up, my investment was up, emotionally was up and down. For the two hours, you right. know, and the commercials yeah. kind of like I'm just sitting there drinking a beer. I'm saying, hey, buddy, what's going on, man? Yeah, you know, this show.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think those are all valid points. Um, it is it is different. But would you say you like going to the house shows better than TV like I do?
3: Um, You know, I had a the last two NXT house shows I went to. I had a great time. Mm hmm. I had more fun than I did last night. And that's not meant to be a D- NXT versus AEW thing. It's just how it was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I can't remember, actually, the last time I went to a WWE house show. Like a main roster house show. It's been a long time. Yeah. Mine was pre-WrestleMania.
1: But I don't know. I thought about going. St- I, it's been a while, actually, since I've been to a WWE show. So, we shall see. But speaking of WWE, let's switch to this breaking news today. Actually, Kyle, we were or you were putting the show notes together, I should say, give you full props on that. And uh, as you're making the, the show notes for this broadcast, there was some WWE news with the uh, two co-presidents of WWE being released uh, effective immediately. Which caused WWE stock to lose over 20 percent of its value today. I didn't see where it closed, but uh, when I last looked, it was down over 20 percent. Uh, it yeah, had it's gone under from 50 like, bucks. Yeah, it was around. I think it opened today around 62, 63 dollars, and it was under 50. So. That is not good. Uh, WWE put out a statement from Vince McMahon in the press release announcing the move where George Berrios and Michelle Wilson were released. It says, I would like to thank George and Michelle for their 10-plus years of service and contributions to the organization. I'm grateful for all that was accomplished during their tenure, but the board and I decided a change was necessary as we have different views on how best to achieve our strategic priorities moving forward. <laughs> We have a deep team of talented, experienced, and committed executives across the organization. And the board and I have great confidence in our collective abilities to create compelling content, engage our global fan base across platforms, increase revenues, and drive shareholder value. So this opens up some seats on the board of directors as well. So this is quite a move. Uh, First reactions upon hearing this news, Kyle, because George Barrios is a name we hear all the time when these quarterly reports come out.
3: Yeah, it's a big deal. Uh, You know, there's two offices uh, on the same floor as Vince McMahon's office in Stanford. Uh, They, until a few hours ago, belonged to George Barrios and Michelle Wilson. Mm -hmm. That's it. Those are the three offices on the top floor. Uh, So what this means is, and I guess it's speculation, but let's be honest here, I think we can say with ninety nine point nine 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 percent certainty, when the fourth quarter financials are released, I believe next week it is. Yeah, uh, they're going to be bad, mm-hmm. and they are apparently going to be bad enough that WWE wanted some scalps, you know, some scapegoats for the investors. So when people, when Wall Street reacts, which it will. They're going to say, well, you know, we're aware of this and we've made some changes and, you know, they're going to reread that press release that you just read. And, you know, it it kind of reminds you a little bit of when ratings were dipping and they made that big thing about bringing in Heyman and Bischoff. Mm -hmm. You know, we were like, why are they doing this? Why are they making such a big deal about this? It it was for the investors. Yeah, we did a Top Rope Nation uh, extra on that over the summer. Mm -hmm. And so this to me, I mean, again. That's speculation, but I, I'm very intrigued, and who knows if we'll find this out? What the differences were between, you know, Barrios and Wilson and and the rest of, uh, you know, the McMahons, mm-hmm. uh, What those different those you know those the, the different visions were uh, moving forward. That'd be something I would love to hear. Yeah. Uh, any
1: reactions from you, Mr. Joint? Uh, if you guys would
2: have asked me who those people are before today, I would have wondered if they were like uh,
1: HGTV
2: uh, fixer-upper <laughs> people or something. I have no idea who those people
1: are. Yeah, I mean, if if you're reading like the the investor releases and stuff, you've heard the names, but outside of that, most fans are not going to recognize the names. But as Kyle alluded to, it it's it,
3: yeah, it's a major move uh, in regards I mean, to management. They were the most, yeah, they're the most important people in the company. Not with the last not with the last name McMahon or Lavas. Yeah. So I I will say I am going
1: to be glued to my computer screen next week when uh, the financial reports come out, because it should be quite interesting. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what the differences are. Hopefully, eventually some word will leak out to the newsletters. But uh, yeah, go ahead,
3: Kyle. Well, you know, let's talk about this a little bit more for a second. So (laughs) with with the whole scapegoating and, and we don't know what the differences are, but, you know, when these fourth quarter financials do come out, they're going to reflect something that we've been seeing for a long time. Every quarterly report, and what truly ails the WWE is, you know, these quote unquote traditional metrics, you know, metrics that have for decades that we've used to evaluate pro wrestling companies, and Barrios and Wilson are not really involved in that. You know, I'm talking about. House show, you know, house show, business, uh, merchandising, the creative side. Mm -hmm. That's where WWE is hurting. You know, they've been able to overcome that, you know, because of these incredible TV deals, the Saudi Arabia thing. But, you know, in every way that we used to evaluate a pro wrestling company, the, the WWE has... Not been doing well in those metrics. Yeah, I think and, merchandise and
1: is a big time area they've fallen
3: off on uh, recently. Well, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, you guys buy more T-shirts than me, maybe, or something like that. But I mean, you, you guys hit the nail on the head, and I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, WWE T-shirts are bad. Their design is just awful. Now, Justin and I,
1: we used to text. I mean, this is a few years ago. We used to text all the time about WWE T-shirts because we love buying wrestling merch. Uh, Justin, when was the last time you bought a WWE t-shirt? Personally.
2: Probably a, f- probably a few
1: years ago. In the lead up to going to Mania?
2: Yeah, I, that was definitely the last time I bought.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I used to spend a lot of money on their merch, but man, these designs they put out, there's so many good designers out there making wrestling merchandise, like knockoff stuff, that I buy because it's well-designed. Uh, you can find a lot of these artists like on Instagram, Twitter there's great artists out there WWE is aware of them like hire these people cuz whoever they have making these designs for their t-shirts it they look like they were made in microsoft paint there's like no <laughs> thought at all you know i mean i we're all a little bit older we're in our 30s but like if i'm going to wear wrestling merchandise i like it to be a little low key you know so like if someone's a fan they know it and they'll talk to you about it. But it doesn't just like scream pro wrestling in your face. You know, like I don't typically buy the shirts that have a half naked dude on them. <laughs> you know, I like yeah. the logos. Or, I don't like the, the pictures. Of the men. Yellow. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this last week, Kyle. Uh, the, the shorty G shirt that was out. That was awful. I mean, man, there's there is a huge community of wrestling fans out there that love to buy wrestling merch. I mean, I see it. All over my Instagram feed, but it's never WWE stuff they're talking about. Now, AEW has some good designs. Uh, all the independent designers on pro wrestling tees that you can find, uh, Suplex Apparel makes really good stuff. WWE is so far behind the times. I think they just started offering like the softer style fabric. You know, they were still the heavy cotton, really scratchy yeah. stuff, while everyone else was putting out the nicer tri blend stuff. So, that is an area that they are definitely hurting and so wanted to get that into the conversation but
3: yeah go ahead and not to defend Barrios or Wilson I don't want to seem like I'm coming across because we don't know specifically what led to this departure but again the fact that they haven't Meltzer tweeted, or tweeted this and he's completely spot on the fact that they haven't found they meaning WWE on the creative side an adequate replacement for John Cena that's not on George Barrios and Michelle Wilson Yeah, again, that speaks to traditional uh, wrestling metric side, Mm -hmm. not what they do. Uh, If anything, I mean, the corporate side, you know, should be praised for how they've propped this company up. Yeah.
1: Oh, for sure, because they've been making money while the product's been suffering for quite a long time.
3: Yeah. Popularity's
1: down. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, all good points. Uh, we'll see what that. We'll talk about it probably uh, on next week's show. What the uh, report, the quarterly earnings report, and uh, the 2019 yearly year-end report reveals. Uh, we shall see. So, I think we'll get to our uh, our big topic of the week, and that is uh, WWE's direction for WrestleMania coming out of the Royal Rumble. Uh, we didn't do a post-show. Uh, this time of the year, it's really hard for us to jump on late on Sunday night and do a post-show. But we wanted to hit on this. We know it's been a few days. Uh, but we were all you know, talking about it in our text thread. I was pretty vocal on my Twitter account. You can find me over at, at Ryan Drosti. Uh I thought it was a pretty darn good show. And uh, that's because I grade the Royal Rumbles, as I said in our post-show last year, on how good the Rumble match was. And I thought the men's Rumble was excellent that the women's rumble was just kind of okay uh but the men's rumble i really really liked a lot i thought daniel bryan and his universal title shot against bray wyatt was unbelievable on this show and so you know there there was good stuff to go around but the men's rumble just obviously sticks out to me i think it's going to go down and was one of the most memorable of the last uh 10 to 15 years easily i thought it was the best rumble since 2008 Uh, So just real quick around the horn, uh, what did you think of the pay-per-view and the Rumble, starting with you, Mr. Justin Joint? Uh,
2: I love the Rumble. I think it for me, it's probably top three all time. Um, You know, when we did our uh, Patreon exclusive on the 90 Rumble, we we talked about how uh, Hogan and Warrior meeting was maybe one of the greatest, if not the greatest moment in Rumble history. Uh, And this Rumble might have had the new one. Uh, with Edge coming back, and one of just the all-time greatest pops you've ever seen. Who's it gonna be?
0: He's the king of me. No, no way! Oh my!
1: You gotta be kidding
0: me! The Rated R Superstar! Edge is here!
2: Speaking of pops, uh, Drew McIntyre eliminating Lesnar was awesome. Oh, and ricochet with a low blow to Lesnar. Lesnar eliminated. McIntyre. Um, But they they just they laid it out perfectly, and it's just it's going to be a memorable
1: Rumble, which you can't say that for a whole lot of them, Mm, especially in recent years.
3: That is for sure. Uh, Kyle. Yeah, it was very good. The rumble itself, the men's rumble. Uh, As to where I would place it historically, I would have to watch it again. You know, I I like to, you know, watch things a second time through and, you know, you kind of know the direction you can size things up. I mean, two years ago, we were everyone was fawning over themselves about the one that Nakamura won. And I, I think people have kind of forgotten about that one already. So I, I'll be guarded as to where I would place it historically, but it was very good. It was one of the better ones, certainly, of the last 10 years. You want to say it was the best since 08. Um, there isn't a lot of competition, I think, in that regard. Um, hmm. Since 08, the only two rumbles that I would even consider putting as high as this one would be uh, that one, two years ago, with Nakamura, which had a, I really liked the end of that, but I remember kind of maybe the first half was a little dull. Mm -hmm. And the 2010 one where Edge actually, uh, again, a surprise return from Edge was involved there. Um, And then you had, like, Michael's, you know, obsession with winning so he could get a shot at The Undertaker that had some good storylines. CM Punk uh, doing the straight Edge gimmick. So, but yeah, this was definitely one of the better Rumbles. I'm sure when the dust settles, I'd probably consider it, like, top 10. If If I had to give it a star rating initially, it's probably, like, three and a half.
1: So Justin said top three all time. So that's pretty hefty praise. And I don't, for me, I don't think he's too far off because if I'm looking at my top three, I'm going 92. I'm going 2004, 2008, most likely. Uh, I mean, this it's, this one to me is knocking on the door just because it was so unique with the way they played off Brock at the beginning,
3: eliminating guy after guy, after guy, it
2: was, it you know, gives it an identity.
3: This rumble has an identity, which most modern rumbles do not have. Mm-hmm. That's the key. You people will remember this rumble as the one Brock dominated, only to be eliminated by McIntyre. Now, you know where we go from here with Drew McIntyre. I think will affect how we view this rumble in retrospect. Because again, I go back to that one two years ago. You know, everyone was fawning over that Nakamura one. I think the shines off that one a little bit, probably because knock them rooted go on to win a championship
1: yeah i think i think this one went a long ways towards making drew mcintyre i feel like you got to go all the way with him here at wrestlemania depending i mean depending on what happens in the build but right now man this guy's on fire i feel like the royal rumble should always be used to make a guy to make a new star and that's where it's been lacking in recent years and i feel like they can do that with Drew. I felt like that was my issue with the women's rumble on this show because I still, you know, it's been days now. I still see no reason. Charlotte Flair had to win that rumble. I think that was yeah. the the wrong a... move. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think they're going in the right direction with the matches coming out of it, but it just, it, it lends more uh, support to my argument because if they're going to do Shayna Baszler and Becky Lynch freaking have Shayna Baszler win the Royal Rumble, because as we've talked about on the show, you're talking about a fraction of the main roster audience that watches NXT, you know, way less than half of the main roster audience. So you make Shayna Baszler by having her win that match. Then she goes up to face Becky Lynch. Charlotte Flair does not need to win the Royal Rumble to go down to NXT to face Rhea Ripley, which is reportedly the plan. She can just show up there and demand a title match. She's freaking Charlotte Flair. She doesn't need to win the Royal Rumble. Baszler needed it. I think they're going in the right direction with those two matches, but uh, really, really do not agree with uh, the
3: winner and how that one played out. Yeah, that, it was more of an average Rumble overall. Like, you know, just the history of the Rumble. I thought the women's one was pretty average with a questionable winner. I, I would I'd co-sign with that. And I agree with you that if Charlotte Ripley is the direction, uh, she did not need to win a Royal Rumble uh, to set that up.
1: Mhm. Like, like, what did me, you it,
3: think of the women's rumble?
2: Me? Yeah. It I it just left me lukewarm. I I fully I don't know why. I other than I, I just think they want to give Charlotte all the accolades. Um so my I was fairly certain she was going to win. Um and you know and as we have pointed out a million times, it is when you have an average rumble, it's really hard to judge it until you see what ha- happens with the winner, mm-hmm. and and in this case, I, I think I mean I think that'd really suck if they had her beat, Ray Ripley, the talented Mrs. Ripley.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I cut you off there a second ago, Kyle. What were you gonna go with, if you remember?
3: Oh yeah, no, I, I did. So it was Charlotte. The argument against her winning is kind of the same argument people would use against Roman Reigns, which I kind of want to double back to when we talk about you know, McIntyre not only being the guy to throw out Lesnar, but also winning the Rumble in the sense that Charlotte's a made person in WWE. Mm -hmm. And she didn't need this aside from what Justin just said, which is, well, they just wanted to have Charlotte win a Royal Rumble. And, you know, the difference between her and Reigns is Reigns already has won a Rumble. So he's got that on his resume. Um, The other thing is I thought Charlotte was probably – not even a top three performer in this match, which isn't good when it's the winner.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like I didn't
3: think she did anything particularly memorable. I mean, I thought Bianca Belair was absolutely tremendous. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought the match lost a little steam, quite frankly, when she was eliminated. Um, Beth Phoenix, I think a tip of the cap, you know, it was, it was, you know, the Copeland family turned in a real, uh, a strong effort on Sunday night. With, I was gonna say uh,
1: Beth was maybe the most most uh, amazing part of this match, to be honest. The yeah, fact I that she continued te- on for that long.
2: Mm-hmm. I really thought Naomi looked
3: great too. At least when she first came in. Yeah. it's good to see her back. Ha- yes, I agree. I yeah, I like the look. I like uh, I like the throw. I hate, hate the spot the Kofi spot spot for lack of a better term. I hate it with all my heart and soul. Ryan, when I gave you a writing sample way back, if you can remember, for the website when I first came on, was one of them how I hated the Kofi spot? Because I think it was like four years ago, like even back then.
1: You know what? I'm I'm going to look in my email right now. I actually have that email I'm... account up and I'm going to try to find your Okay, cause sample. I
3: really think, <laughs> I think like four years ago. But I, I Why I hate it, it's like I don't, there's nothing against Naomi, and I know – I don't know if you guys saw this. Boy, did was Brian Alvarez and company being raked across the coals for some of their Naomi takes.
1: I heard about uh, it, yeah.
3: Um, yeah, so uh, it's nothing against Naomi. It's nothing against the athleticism that goes in the spot. The problem with that spot is they it gets more and more contrived as the years go on. But like they get back in the ring, and then they're just thrown out completely matter-of-fact. So it's like, why did you make me emotionally invest in that when they're just – You know, tossed out like a sack of potatoes five seconds later. And that's what happened with Naomi. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: You know, she milked that thing for all it's worth. She got back in and then she was gone. Yeah.
1: No, I thought, I I do think it's definitely become too contrived. Um, It can be entertaining, but like it was a little nonsensical this year because it was like she was going to try to jump like so far. And it was like, why? At one point, she was, like, teasing she was going to try to jump all the way to the ring or something. And it was like, why Why would you not just jump to the corner where the ring steps yeah. are?
3: It's a lot closer. Well, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. And then Shayna Baszler, who I know you're going to want to go into in a little bit, Ryan, I thought also, you know, came across as more impressed. For the limited time she was in, um, I think there's an argument that, you know, and we'll, we could talk about this with Matt Riddle, too. Was it better for neither of those to even be in the Rumble, their respective Rumbles? You know, if the NX, if you, if you have big plans for an NXT person and with Shane, at least she got to throw out a ton of people. I mean, she did look like, you know, the proverbial monster when she was in there. So, I mean, hers was much better than that, really. You probably shouldn't compare the two, but, um, you know, was that enough to sell people on her being in a key match at WrestleMania? Again, there's a lot of TV between now and, and Tampa, but, uh, we shall see.
1: Yeah. Um, Kyle, I did find your writing samples you sent me way back on. Uh, this is uh, April 2016 is when I met Mr. Kyle Ross. Um, it looks like it was basically short uh, reviews of like every WrestleMania. You wrote like a paragraph oh. on all these WrestleManias. Um, oh, okay. and it, It's funny because this is when I was running Top Rope Press, which uh, is what kind of the namesake of this podcast. If you guys didn't know, it used to be a, a wrestling website. Uh, and uh, I had a co-editor named Jason at the time, and I forwarded Kyle's stuff onto him with simply, "This guy looks great!" Exclamation <laughs> mark. Well, thank you. I,
3: yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. So. Uh, um, so, I want to double back to Drew McIntyre, if we could, okay, and then talk some specifics about this. So, Ryan, when we did the show last week, and I think. Meltzer and Alvarez felt the same way. And a lot of people felt the same way. They thought the rumble would almost kind of be divided into halves where you would have the guy, if it was McIntyre, whomever else, um, you know, throw out Lesnar. And then somebody else would win. And then you could set up both title matches. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you guys felt, but when they were hitting the closing stretch and it was obvious that it was going to come down to McIntyre and Reigns, I turned to my buddy when I am watching. I'm like, McIntyre's got to win this. I know what I said beforehand, but they got to just have McIntyre win this. It's it's the right call. Do we all agree that McIntyre not only throwing out Lesnar, but also winning the Rumble was the right call?
2: Absolutely. He he needed it a thousand times more than uh, Reigns did, especially since he's been just treading water, you know, this entire year.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think the way they built up the first half of the match with Brock tossing so many guys. And that was all to help Drew McIntyre. And I feel like he would have still got some of that rub if he had tossed Brock but not won. But him winning puts it all over the top. And it makes it the Drew McIntyre show. So I think, yeah, he had to win.
3: Uh, did we all like the Brock Lesnar show? Basically the first half of the Rumble, him just chucking guys out, you know, basically. And, and none of the other guys lasting the two minutes with a few exceptions.
2: I loved it. Um, it almost you know, it kind of started with him taking on, you know, kind of some pseudo giants and then it kind of moved into, uh, ghosts of Lesnar past, um, the great spot with Keith Lee. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I really, I thought it was really entertaining.
1: Yeah. The Keith Lee part was awesome. I, uh, when it first started, I was a little turned off, but as it went on, I started to kind of think like, yeah, this is pretty cool. And it, it's like, you know, it's like what you do in the video games when you're playing the Royal Rumble. Speaking of that, check out the uh, wrestling video games history episode from our archives a couple of months ago. But uh, I, yeah, I liked it. It was like a video game come to life. Uh, it sold the dominance of Brock and, and it set up Drew. So I think it took a little bit for me to warm up to it. But uh, eventually I did and I, I kind of basked in its glory, so to speak. So, yes, uh, Kyle, any other question on that? Did we lose Kyle? I think we might have lost Kyle. Well, while Kyle gets set back up, Justin, um, we touched on the women's rumble uh, and the return of Edge, but in general, you thought Edge looked pretty good, I believe you said earlier. Um, what do we think about the storyline he set up with Randy Orton?
2: Um, I think it's it was really well done. Just for me personally, it, that match doesn't do a lot. Um, we were... T- texting about the the end of raw i did not really like how they kind of set up the pillman chair spot and then moved away from it to what i think is not as scary of a spot with the concerto um that is my only complaint about it other than that i thought it was it was pretty perfect one one of the most thrilling ends to raw in a long time oh
1: yeah that's for sure these were two veterans you know masters of the craft showing how it's done. The facial reactions, all the emotion, they sold it so well. You know, just the little stuff that Edge was doing, like the way he would twitch on the mat. That's stuff that, Mm -hmm. like, a lot of the newer guys just wouldn't do. The little nuances. Um, Yeah, I thought when he set up the Pillman spot with the chair on his neck, that was freaking crazy. Like, if they could have hit that, that would have probably went just completely over the top. Um, But, I can also see this as you go to the concerto. Obviously, it, it kind of harkens back to what Edge used to do in his tag team days. Uh, so that makes that seem like kind of a big spot, too. Um, I wasn't, like, the biggest rated RKO fan when that was going on. So it's not, like, something I'm super hyped for. You know, like, when they tease that, hey, we're going to do this uh, this reunion and the crowd popped really big, I was kind of thinking, like, uh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, all right, I, I'd, I'd personally rather see Edge work some singles matches against some guys he's never worked before, but if that's what the crowd's looking for. So in that way, it's not something I'm that much looking forward to, but at the same time, you're getting Edge back in the ring, so, you know, I'll be excited to see the match. Um, but uh, and, I, guess, you know, I guess I would say at least we're getting Randy Orton in a role that he's much better in than how he's been cast in recent months, I think.
2: You know, and I think part of it is that, Edge is in really good hands with Randy. You would think from for him coming back from what we, I assumed was, you know, impossible to come back from neck injury.
3: Yeah. I'm um, no kidding. Yeah. And that's like, it's, amazing. You know, it's amazing what an AEW contract offer will oh, do. there he does. is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> coming in hot, Kyle Ross. Yes. And I think
2: for a long time, I'm going to be cringing during his matches. And I just try and remind myself that, you know, there's no way for one WWE would let him back if there was even a chance that he'd be paralyzed during a match and you know he's got edge has two daughters and so I don't think he would risk that if he wasn't 100% ready to go so hopefully I can get over that quickly and just enjoy his matches Mm -hmm.
1: yeah I think we always kind of look at things now as we're getting a little older from that family perspective having families of our own and It is a little scary, but I agree. If there was any chance, they would let him. I mean, look what Daniel Bryan
3: went through to come back and all the testing. I was just about to reference yeah, Daniel Bryan. I remember uh, his first couple matches. You're like, oh, God, please nothing go wrong. (laughs) We were all nervous. You
1: can go back in the archives and hear those shows when he came back a couple of years ago. But uh, that's crazy. It's been two years since Daniel Bryan came back. Time freaking flies, guys. Seems like we were just talking about the possibility of him coming back. Yes, yeah
3: um so i I wanted to hit on something uh justin hit on it and i've seen other people talk about it you know the choice of orton for edge's first program Mm -hmm. uh this is something that from the fan perspective i think isn't thought about i'm not saying it's right wrong or otherwise but you know there's such this focus on match quality nowadays and it's not lost on the performers so when these Older guys come back, obviously there's there's a school thought, oh my God, I want to see him work with someone new that they haven't worked with before. Well, these these guys who come back, they kind of have this trepidation. They don't want to stink up the joint in the ring. They want their performance to be good. And I've talked to someone about this before. They always gravitate, and Justin then hit on this as well, someone they're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And I was not shocked at all that Randy Orton was the choice. First of all, they kind of teased it in the rumble with, you know, Edge and Orton kind of working together and then the elimination. Um, It it was teased. So I was not shocked at all when Orton turned. Yeah, no. Um, And so Edge and Orton, they know each other. Um, So, yeah, there is a school of thought says, all right, you, you want this guy to come back. You want him to work with fresh opponents. But I understand why. That they want to work with someone they're comfortable with. What Shawn Michaels? Okay, everyone talks about these dream matches he could have. Who did he work with when he came back in Saudi Arabia? Yep. That, that's a, that's a school of thought, and we can poo poo it all we want, but it's in these guys' minds because no one wants to be you know have the these, the Undertaker Goldberg match. Yeah, they want to have a competent looking match with guys they're familiar with, and and that's what leads to it. So. That's something to think about. With Edge, too, you know, I think Edge um, obviously had a tremendous run, particularly like 05 to 09. I think he was one of the best heels in the company, if not the best heel uh, at a certain point during that span. You know what? He, he can add to his legacy here, though, because for me, I don't know what you guys think. I don't think he's ever fully clicked as a baby face.
1: Yeah. I mean, like uh, outside of his tag team days, I mean, like, but even a then, they team. were better as a heel team. They were, but I mean, they, yeah, they were kind of like a heel team that just started getting cheers and then they started doing the pose down stuff. Uh, I'd agree, like, during his singles run for sure. Like,
3: 02, they put him in there with, you know, having good matches with Angle and Guerrero. Um, and that was good. And then he got hurt. And then when he came back, if you remember, he was kind of rejected as a babyface in 4 And he led to him turning heel. And that it was turned out to be a career-changing heel turn where he did his best work. But, you know, that heel turn towards the very end, mm. or, uh, pardon me, babyface turn toward the end. would not that great? So th- this is a ch- great chance for him to add to his legacy, not that he needs to. I mean, he's already – I mean, he was a headliner of a Hall of Fame class, for God's sake. But, I mean, I-, I think he might have a little something to prove. And I think kind of in this legend role, for lack of a better term, I think he has – a, a shot to be the best baby face he's ever been.
1: Yeah, I would agree. hundred percent. Your thoughts, Justin on that? No, I think you guys
2: hit the nail on the head. Is that how the saying goes?
3: <laughs> I think so. Just one last thing too, because yeah. I cut out with that. Um, and I, I was texting with another patron of the show, Derek, um, who was not as high on the Brock Lesnar stuff as, as we were. Where is Derek, by the way? He should be in this live feed.
1: Derek, I don't know. you're listening on demand. Join us for the live feed next week, yeah. man.
3: I just want to say, well, I'm sure he's going to text me because I referenced him now. But <laughs> I get if you have Brock Lesnar fatigue that maybe you're like, oh, you know, they're doing it with him now. And, you know, I'll credit Sean Ross Sapp, by the way, for a tweet. He's like, imagine if they had done this with Braun Strowman two years ago. Yeah. You don't know, have him just as this monster doing what Lesnar did in the Rumble. Mm-hmm. And there's a point to be had there, but look, I get Lesnar fatigue. We talk about it on the show all the time, but there is no denying that what they did work. Just look at the reaction McIntyre got when he eliminated them. That was okay. all the proof that that booking absolutely worked. So regardless of your opinion on Brock Lesnar, you're entitled to your opinion. Obviously, um, I think objectively speaking, there can be no denying that that layout worked.
1: Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Um the only other thing we wanted to hit on this topic is some of the other matches that are being hinted at for Mania. We've we've touched on some of them here with the women's match, with this one. Um the other big one we just haven't really hit yet is the universal title picture. And uh so everyone is figuring Wyatt and Reigns. I've seen some stuff about Brian potentially getting added to that making it a triple threat. Uh what what would you guys feel about that? Would you rather see Wyatt versus Reigns as a singles match, which I would assume Reigns would be once again be coronated? Or do we want to see Daniel Bryan thrown into the mix? Justin, what would what would your opinion on that be?
2: I think Bryan has to be in there because otherwise WWE's heading into some dangerous territory if if they have Reigns just, you know, beat this unstoppable monster, which I wish they would tone down that aspect a little bit because I love that brian and wyatt match from the rumble and tell the very end when it just none of you know the previous 18 minutes mattered at all
1: yeah kyle and i kind of touched on this um last week i believe i'm just i'm kind of over the fiend right now to be honest um and yeah no i i agree do you think that if you add brian in there brian's gonna overshadow reigns and be the one that takes the title if they do a title change Do you think daniel Bryan's gonna pull a uh a 2014 and uh, force their hand here in the build, Justin?
2: I mean, it's certainly possible. And it's just, I, I don't know. I think that's just a bad dynamic all around. And I don't know how anybody gets out of that looking really good besides from, you know, Brian. But I think that'd be in the case where he would have to kind of steal the title. So it just, I don't know that it's, that it's looking like a lose-lose situation for me.
1: Yeah. You put Reigns in there across from brian and if you want both guys cheered like reigns has no shot and then again we're in a situation where reigns has been kind of booked into a corner kyle something we've talked about in the show in the past again
3: he's in a no-win situation yeah i'll be honest i don't know how you put daniel Bryan in that match i mean he's lost pretty clean to the fiend on multiple occasions now Mm -hmm. I, i just don't know in a wwe canon sense how you put him back in that situation. I think the answer is something outside the box. Because I, I think Fiend Reigns is kind of a loser. On paper right now. Um, and getting to what you said. Uh, Ryan just moments ago. About Reigns and getting booked into a corner. Correct. I think he has now been. Correct me if I'm wrong. Either the last. Or second to last person eliminated. In every Rumble Since 2014, or the winner in 2015. Now, he wasn't in the 2019 one, but what's funny about that is WWE seems very aware of where Roman is. Like, it's not like they have their head in the sand with this guy, where he's at, right? Mm -hmm. And they use him to get babyface heat for the winner more often than not.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Ironic.
3: Is. I just don't know how to take that. Like, you know, a lot of people pointed this out that they apparently were very careful to have Reigns be the one to eliminate Edge, not McIntyre, because they didn't want the fans potentially being upset at McIntyre for eliminating, you know, the legend. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, then. You gotta. It's hard to feel sorry for WWE when they're throwing their hands up at the air every year come WrestleMania time. Why aren't they cheering this guy? Yeah, meeting Reigns. Well, you put him in these terrible situations where you know he's going to get booed, and you only accentuate it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. To To answer your question, uh, he won it in 2015, and he was been he was the runner up in 14, 17, 18, and this year. So yeah, Yeah. going back to 2014, uh, almost every year. (laughs)
0: 2016
1: and 2019.
3: he was the second to last one in 2016 because that was when... Oh, don't get me started on this. I know we're coming to the end and you guys don't want me to go off for a half hour, but I certainly <laughs> could when Triple H, alleged company man, tosses him and then does the suck it chance to a <laughs> massive babyface reaction. I mean, what are we doing here? And then he chucks out Ambrose right after the end because it came down to those three.
1: Take out the golden shovel. Yeah. No kidding. Suck Suck it! <laughs> <laughs> <top> baby face. <laughs> what a way to book this company!
0: <laughs> the son in law of the guy who owns the place.
1: <laughs>
3: That's bad. That's bad. That. Who could green light and say, Oh, Roman's gonna get over as a baby face doing this? <laughs> who could think that? Yeah,
1: <sighs> all right. Anything else hit yes. a mania direction? It'll it'll start to become clear, obviously, in the weeks ahead. We're just uh, we're one main roster show off of the Royal Rumble. We'll see what happens on SmackDown on Friday night and see if we get any hints about that Universal title picture. But uh, what we got elimination chamber to go. So we got the Saudi, Saudi show. Yeah. So
3: Terry Eugene Bolea, your boy, he'll be there.
1: He's back again. Jack. Yes, he is. Uh, all right. Well, all that said, Kyle. I think oh, the spotlight turns to you. Uh, <laughs> last I looked on the notes, you didn't have a deep dive of the week. I don't know. Do you have one for us?
3: Oh, in this great sport. what do you, you know what? Unbel, unprecedented in the history of this podcast. What are you guys interested in watching right now? What uh, do you want to dive? <laughs> what period would you want to go to? What promotion? Hmm.
2: For me, it's pretty easy for me. Um, okay. I would. This is a pretty deep one. Okay. I need to go back and watch Worlds Collide from Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) That is my deep dive.
1: (sighs) You know what? I'm going to out myself. I haven't watched that show yet either. I was just talking with a buddy of mine, Joe, today about that. And uh, yeah, I I still have to watch Worlds Collide as well.
3: Uh, I'll be honest with you, other than the main event, totally skippable. Really? Yeah. I thought it was a series of two and a half star matches besides Mm. the main event. I I was not as high on it as maybe some other people. I saw some star ratings being thrown out. And I just, again, I just wonder, you know, Ryan Droste, you're an educator. I just hope that, you know, you still take some pride in handing out grades. Unlike these people who hand out star ratings. It's unbelievable.
2: (laughs) Oh, I I will say uh, I am going to go back. I You know, I listened to your guys' pod from last week. Um, I kind of faded out of WWE around... 2003 2004 right around there um so i'm gonna go back and watch uh john cena and umaga from the royal rumble
1: mm-hmm. check uh, that out kyle gave his top 10 matches in royal rumble history last week in the deep dive they're they're listed in the show notes if you want to just look at the show notes i, I put all of them in there uh, oh that was
3: mighty kind of yes uh, have i given out Okay, here's one. Did I give out Jim Duggan and Buzz Sawyer from 1985 yet? I don't believe so. We're doing that because I watched it. So, the discontinued Hidden Gems. Okay. What an awful decision, by the way. I admit, you know what? I'll tell you what. If, that's, if that was George Barrio's decision, hit the soup line, pal. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, But... There is a it was one of the last added ones, I believe. So it's not hard to find if you go to recently added in the hidden gem section. Uh, I believe it is called Duggan and Sawyer. or Maybe it's Hacksaw and buzz. Tear down New Orleans. It's The main event of a show. There is no commentary for the show. This was mid south on uh, November of 1985. Um, this match is everything that modern WWE is not. It is a completely realistic brawl. Um, And those of you who only know Jim Duggan from his WWE work will probably be stunned by watching this. Now, he does not do a tope. I will tell you that right now. (laughs) Because this match is is the antithesis, again, of WWE. The entire match is punches. Um, But it is a lot of blood. And it features a tremendous backstage segment. Um, Afterwards, where they just keep brawling where Jim Duggan just starts yelling, I'm going to kick your fucking ass.
1: God bless and Jim if, Duggan.
3: If you don't like that, I just really don't know what to say, except I don't like you. <laughs> Jim Duggan and Bud Sawyer. Men. Wrestling. Fighting.
1: I don't know. This This may have already happened, Justin, but did you know Jim Duggan was coming to town to do like one of his stand-up storytelling shows? I can tell you, after the Jake Roberts
2: one, I won't be attending any more of those.
1: <laughs> I just brought that up to plug our Jake Roberts review uh, on the Patreon page, Top Nation Extra. But uh, yes, go ahead, Justin. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, are the Bushwhackers and Jim Duggan
2: the two biggest acts whose wrestling were substantially different from WWF to you know previously? I mean, like the bush bushwhackers to the sheep herders i mean that might be the biggest difference
3: <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah so it's really funny i you know when people talk about guys that come in from you know the indies now to wwe and and you know maybe you see a uh you just kind of see a stylistic change you know it's it's been talked about that nxt kind of saps the individuality out of some of these guys sometimes that's a debate to be had for a different time but you know, people talk. Oh my God! You know, this guy's just not the same as he was pre WWE. I always get the sense that's younger people talking about that because you know, like Justin just alluded to in the '80s, that happened all the time. You know, a lot of those guys were towards the end of their careers. Admittedly, they had been working for a while uh, in the various territories and just kind of got their big payday, and um, some cases just straight straight up phoned it in. In the ring when they got to WWE. But that is a good point. Duggan and the Bushwhackers. Are probably your poster childs. For that sort of change. I mean there are people who declined worse. And had worse WWE runs. Certainly I mean Duggan and Bushwhackers. I mean say what you will about them. Were successful acts. In WWE. But. But. Yeah, it's. I struggle off the top of my hat to name somebody who was just such a watered down version of their former selves, or in the book, the cases, the bushwhacker is just completely different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't come up with worse off the top of my head. Duggan in his book kind of talked about it, where he sort of went, um, he went from this just ass kicking brawler in mid south, um, you know who. Quite frankly, you know, people always talk about when JYD left Mid-South, you know, it ripped the heart and soul of the promotion. It, it didn't – they didn't flinch at first because Duggan slid very nicely into that top babyface role after JYD left. And, you know, I, I watched the 83 TV, and even when JYD was still there, Duggan was kind of usurping him in that role. Mm-hmm. But uh, he wrote his book. He's like, yeah, you know, I came to WDF. I was kind of, you know, like Hulk Hogan's slow little buddy. <laughs> You know, slow xenophobic buddy, you know, just a guy who just rely they gave him a two, you know, gave him a two by four, told him to say USA, USA, and he was kind of a gatekeeper for Hogan, you know. I mean, a heel would beat Duggan to kind of get to Hogan.
1: Here's one for you. How about Barry Wyndham to
3: WWF as the uh what was he, the stalker? The well, the stalker is an atrocity. The widowmaker <laughs> The Widowmaker before that I mean, was a little better. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I'm fascinated by the widowmaker in that time period because Very brief. there's all this yeah, there's all this stuff that's come out that he was earmarked for Hogan feud, mm-hmm. the, the spot that Perfect got, you know, kind of around the time of the 90 Royal Rumble, which we just reviewed. But, you know, um, he, there were some family issues going on, obviously, at the time, the counterfeiting scheme, and that never came to fruition. He just wound up quitting. He was there for two months as the Widowmaker, three? Yeah, very brief. Very, very brief. <laughs> I'll never forget he cuts his promo on Superstars, those inset promos they used to cut. And uh, he's like, I'm coming for you, Hulk Hogan. And I will never forget Vince McMahon on commentary. Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) Buried. Suck it. And and Jesse Ventura goes, what do you want him to say, McMahon? (laughs) Oh, that's great. You know what? Fuck it. That's your deep dive of the week. Widowmaker on Superstars. Find it. I have no idea where you're going to find it. 89 superstars. just Maybe it was his debut. Maybe it wasn't. But yeah, you can hear Vince McMahon. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that.
1: <laughs> um, Monsoon Classic has the Widowmaker in action on superstars from uh, June. So you can find that. Monsoon yeah, maybe, Classic. Uh, yeah, maybe try that. June 24th, 1989. You can find it. Maybe, uh, maybe. <laughs> man. Mo- this Monsoon crazy. Classic, he's got everything. If you guys are on YouTube wrestling-wise, you, you've seen him before great youtube channel check it out all right good show guys great to have all of us back together glad you had a great trip down south justin always good to have yeah. you back yeah i miss it already yeah maybe the next time you're down there it'll be all three of us again we'll see you can only uh, hope kyle always a pleasure glad uh, you survived AEW dynamite and didn't have uh, one too many miller lights yeah Maybe you did. I don't know. Um, guys, if you want more of our content, you can find us on Twitter at Top Rope Nation. We're on Facebook, Top Rope Nation Pod. Of course, the YouTube page, uh, youtube.com slash Top Rope Nation. We're on Instagram as well. Uh, if you're listening to that podcast feed, guys, we would love to have a little more live interaction. Join us for the live cast next Thursday night. Mark your calendars. Join up on the YouTube page. It's free. Hit subscribe. Subscribe. Hit the alert button. You'll find out exactly when we go live. You can join us in the live chat. Get involved with the live podcast. We'd love to talk to you while we're on the air. And with that said, you can find me at Twitter. That's at Ryan Droste, D-R-O-S-T-E. You can find Kyle at T-R-P Kyle. Justin is at Justin Joint, J-O-Y-N-T. And uh, we will catch you guys next week with episode 128. And don't forget, leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. Put your Twitter username in that review. We'll get you a free sticker in the mail.
3: Catch you guys next week. Don't let me down, Iowa.